Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I do hope you had a great week. Mine has still been the wonderful, I mean technically we did get to go outside a little bit, um, just get some fresh air, but still very hot, um, still very humid, still over 100 degrees. And well, you know, that's just kind of how it is. Um, I do ask that you continually pray for my wife and I as uh, we might have to make some decisions um, about the ministry and stuff like that and how we're supposed to move forward from this point. Um, it's been kind of an interesting, uh, I would say, a kind of an interesting uh, perspective and, and just what things are going. And, you know, it's just all about, you know, like I was talking about, you know, the asking, seeking and knocking which will be a little bit in this discussion, but um, that is kind of the key perspective of where we're at going through all three of those processes to deal with God and to see what he's trying to say. And we need clarity. And so hopefully within this next month and even August that some things will clear up to understand what he's trying to say and do. So just keep that in mind in prayer. Um, a little bit of update. Uh, so Spotify slash Anchor uh, changed the way they're doing the podcast app system. So last week I didn't know they had done that big of a change. So I went and I did my what I normally do and everything is absolutely kind of different. So I had to go through and understand what was going on. So I spent some time reading what they changed and why were things a little bit different. So overall, I don't get to actually pause, stop the episode, and then go into uh, starting up another recording. Technically, I have to put the one full recording in there and I have to slip in the advertisement where it needs to be. So this is going to be kind of the first time run trying this this way. And I will probably say I'm, I'm going to be taking a quick break at this moment. And then hopefully I can find that spot and be able to throw in what needs to be there. And then it will say right after it's done, then it'll continue into the next step, which then I'll say like, hey, welcome back. So it's going to be a little bit different in how it's normally done. So I don't know how it felt like last time. Hopefully it worked. Hopefully it didn't sound terrible. But yeah, that's where we're at with this. So... This week, I wanted to talk a bit more on, well, not more, but talk about leaving a humble mark. So in today's culture and today, well, I would say it's probably always been around, but especially in the last few decades, uh, the idea of men, and we kind of, it's just kind of hinting a little bit into conversations that we've had but the ideas men have always had in their head to be a legacy or leave a legacy you know a lot of times when we think of leaving a legacy we think of child but the truth is more guys actually are more into leaving their image their remembrance and the thing is not even just men women do the same thing you know we we do a tomb and loving memory of somebody who died and they were known for whatever, you know, how there's kind of like that meme joke that goes around, you know, what would your tomb say, you know, and they'll say like, you know, John Smith, and he was a loving husband who got in trouble all the time. And it's supposed to be funny. 
Well, the idea is that the tombstone is a, is a form of remembering somebody. And even though there is good aspects about it, because historically speaking, seeing older tombs, you get an understanding plus historical stories that aren't necessarily clear. Sometimes it opens up a better understanding because you could figure out, hey, you know, this person actually died this time. They didn't actually die like the stories and myths say or, you know, vice versa, whatever it might be. So, I mean, there is good reasonings to keep record of who you were and why you died and when you died and when you were born. So it does help in some ways. However, the thought I was thinking about is actually more on the idea that we want to leave something for people to remember us. Okay. And a lot of times, it, we, you know, because we talked about identity, a lot of times our identity is what gets left behind. So like, you know, Jim Bob was, you know, a bank owner and he made lots of money and he owned like three homes and he had his boat and he had, you know, really nice car. And we, we sit there and we go look at his legacy right so if we are supposed to be true christians we're supposed to be living a life that is pleasing to god there has to be a a understanding of what it means to be humble however there's a lot of verses and scriptures that we can kind of go after one of the conversations we were kind of having in the discord group which by the way if you're interested if you joined the facebook group you 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 should see a link probably about a week ago down on the list about Discord. Um, if anything, I, I usually try to put it up there every few weeks, and the goal is to try to get people to be part of that. And we've actually had some interesting conversations here and there. Sometimes it gets really quiet. Sometimes it gets really vocal. But it's been really good. Like, there's been good, wholesome conversation. But we were talking about the body being the temple, which, you know, I'm not going to talk about body being the temple as much as the concept of understanding what it means to be a true Christian comes from the understanding of what humility is to live by. So that being said, we have to understand that the enemy is trying very hard to confuse the image of what it looks like to be a Christian, to walk like a Christian, to act like a Christian. And you've heard me say many times there's, you know, you either following the world or you're following God. Okay. All that is kind of connected unto the understanding of humility because the idea is that the enemy knows if he can distract you, confuse you, frustrate you into thinking, hey, I can't be a good Christian man. I can't be a godly man. I've made too many mistakes and I've caused too much hurt and harm in people's lives. There's no way I've, I've just been so bad. You know, I, I struggle, you know, I have all these addictions. You have to understand that there is a point of understanding that us being a Christian man, a godly man comes from some basic walk and humility is the part that most of us struggle with you now we go to romans 12 it says and we've used the verses like many 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 times over you know in our life you probably heard it at church many 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 times 
But it's it's Romans twelve one and two. It says, "I appeal to you, brother and brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect." Adding verse three says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And even though it says, and it starts talking about the body a bit, it says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So it does talk about that everybody has their gifts and purposes. And this is kind of the understanding of humility, okay? So the idea is that, you know, because we're talking about the temple, of, you know, our body is supposed to be the temple. Well, the idea of the body becoming the temple is, you know, where I kind of mentioned in the Discord, it, it's kind of going back to how the temple was formed before. The priests would have to go through this many rituals and processes to make a sacrifice that is worthy of God, that is given of blood, and then take that sacrifice. And they had a section in the tabernacle and even the temple called the Holy of Holies. And that was where the presence of God was. And I also mentioned that it's, you know, it talked about the veil that would be placed in front of the Holy of Holies that I believe was 60 feet tall, 50 feet wide. And then it was like four inches thick. Now, if you, you think, oh, four inches is not that much, but if you were to have a drape that big and you're trying to move it by hand, you're not moving it. They had two horses that would be used to move the curtain. That's how heavy it was. And so I was kind of comparing the understanding that the Holy of Holies was the only place that God's presence was at. So if a priest, the high priest, would go in there with a the sacrifice, he, they would tie his ankle and put bells on it so that as he moved around in there, if it was a pleasing sacrifice, you would still hear the bells. And if it wasn't, and you suddenly hear nothing, the rope was so they could pull his body out because he was dead. And that's the severity of understanding that sin with God in God's presence is death. But it also gives you to understanding of the importance of Romans 12, 1, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because remember, it says, as a form of worship, because sacrifice was a form of worship in that case, too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of mind, and that by testing you may discern. Okay, so the idea is that we're supposed to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, so that we don't get conformed to the world so that we can have the right mind and the right heart and we can see what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there is a clarity 
that God's way and the world's way do not coincide, do not connect. Okay, so that being said, our bodies as a living sacrifice, we should, we should look, act, talk, live like we're supposed to for God. And that it's a form of, of worship. So therefore, living our lives in the way that we're supposed to is worship of God. When we live a life that is holy and acceptable, then right after, do not be conformed, meaning don't be like, don't look like, don't appear like the world. So in other words, if we're not doing what is holy and acceptable and right, we're going to start looking a lot like the world. And that being said, going to verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to every among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay, so that is where we're kind of going into, okay, humility. So if we're doing what we're supposed to do, living our life like we're supposed to be, humility starts coming into picture because when we're not humble as a Christian, it, we become very self-righteous, which often, often, often fills the heart of those who are mature in faith. You, you'll see it more often with people who are really studying in the scriptures, spending more time in God, um, praying. And the thing is, what they do is they're not doing it for God. They're doing it for themselves. That's the difference. Okay. That's why I said you see it more and more, more mature Christians because they have put themselves at a level. We see it a lot too. Uh, one of the things I may actually talk about in sometime in the future is vainglory. Um, there's a book my wife had read and I was going to read some of the parts and I may actually talk about it a little bit, but I do think vainglory is one of the main battle issue sins in the church, like heavily. And we don't see it because we think it's an, it's a highly importance to act one way to be able to be recognized, but it is why sometimes I would say, even for me growing up, um, in high school, faith Baptist, I saw a lot of men who appeared to look like righteous men, but with their words and how they treated other men and how they treated other people who were struggling did not represent that, which they were very self-righteous. Because appearance was way more important than grace. It was way more important than helping those who are struggling to get back upright. And this is where that humility part comes in. If you're humble, you're, you're not going to look at people's mistakes and struggles as a form to say, hey, you, you're doing horrible, look at me, I'm doing great. A lot of times we would use the word hypocrisy or we would use the examples of the Pharisees because the Pharisees are very good at looking like the part, but they would always try to let everybody know, Hey, look how spiritual I am. Now the idea is that we go into understanding that Paul was, was actually speaking on this because he wanted them to understand, hey, you know, I'm educated, spiritual, highly educated man of the Bible or the scriptures of the time. 
and I have to also remind myself not to put others down below me and treat them as such, but to remember that grace that we were given. Because remember, we don't deserve the salvation that we got from Jesus, but we were given it because of grace. So that being said, we're going to go to James 4. We go down to James 4, and we're going to do verses 3 through 6. It states this, you ask and do not receive because you asked wrongly. You spend it on your passions. You, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So you got to understand, I know I've used this verse not too long ago, or these verses not too long ago, but there's a purpose to this with humility and Romans. Okay. Now, Romans talked about how we're supposed to be living sacrifice, but it also says do not conform to the world, right? So the idea is that if you become entity, en enmity with God, you're opposing or becoming hostile towards God. I want that to sink in. When you are in enmity, you're opposing or become a hostile towards God. So in Scripture, it says, do you know that friendship with the world is enmity, enmity, opposing, opposing, being hostile with God. You see, the whole thing is when we are trying to live our life in this world, we have, you know, God's worldview, you have the world's worldview. If we're trying to be friends with the worldly cultures and the ideas and the agendas and the, um, wokeness, the progressiveness that doesn't fit with scripture, we are actually opposing what God has intended. So if we're opposing God, then we're not living a life as a sacrifice, doing what is holy and right, which means that we're not humbling ourselves before the Lord and his truth and his perspective. So we end up focusing on our legacy versus God's. I want you guys to really think about it. We start focusing on our legacy versus God's. We start thinking about my worship, my spiritualism, my capability of feeling righteous and feeling right. We start focusing on us being that versus us being under God. We don't submit to his authority. We don't surrender to his will. <clears throat> so instead of walking with the Lord, we're walking with the world. It's a very, <clears throat> it's a very interesting thought. And I want you guys to really kind of let that sink in a little bit. And then it says, whoever wishes to be, so in other words, wanting to be friend with the world, makes himself an enemy of God. So if we think 
that by jumping on board with all this progressive movement, this new age movement, new thought movement, modalism, chasing after things that fit with the world enough, but we do it and under the name of Jesus, we're an enemy of God. Because humbling ourselves, leaving a humble mark, is not trying to leave a mark in this world. want that to kind of sink in a little bit too. Think about that a little bit. You see, <clears throat> we cannot truly be surrendered to the idea of living a life as a sacrifice if we're not able to give ourselves up to God as the one, the first, the one that should be ahead of everything. See, we think going to church every Sunday is a sacrifice. We treat going to church as the icon of being a Christian. But how are you throughout the rest of the week? And if you don't go to church Sunday, how are you treating people throughout the time before you're with other believers again? You see, like, it's just so interesting to me how much going on Sunday is the most important part of a Christian's walk when it should be how we act the rest of the week. And I know it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but I want you guys to really think about what I'm saying. I, I hear pastors I'm in this pastors group and and like there's pastors saying, you know, it's it's such a shame when people go off to do camping and they're gone for a month and they don't show up to church and they should be. I, I sit there and I cringe at that because the question should be, why aren't you going to the campsite? So why aren't you going with these people? Because like, why don't you set up every single month? Hey, we're going to go to that this campsite that's over here and we're going to do a service together and then we're going to have fellowship and then we're going to have food together and then we're going to enjoy the, the, the beauty of the beach or the lake. And, you know, if we get to talk to people, don't be afraid to talk to people. Reach out to those people that are there. And when they go, hey, what's going on? And they say, hey, you know, our church during the summer, every, you know, one, one Sunday, every month, we come out to the campsite and we spend like a few days out here and we spend time with the beach and we hang out with each other. But we also want to, you know, we hang out with everybody that's there and be a testimony. Can you imagine seeing a church that does that together being more effective versus, hey, if you're not here on Sunday, then you're not a true Christian. The true Christians are the ones that show up on Wednesday night. You see that I, you know, the reason why I say that, because I heard that a lot growing up. Sunday church is supposed to be a day of training so that people go out and spread the gospel. It's also supposed to be a time of fellowship, which if you're going out together, and going to these parks, going to these camps, going to these events, spreading the gospel. Church is about worship, but we're supposed to be living a life as a sacrifice of worship. You see, as a pastor, we should be excited to see people go do things. Sunday church important? Yes, it can be very important. Do I think we need to be in fellowship together? Absolutely. Does it always have to be on Sunday morning at the church building? 
No, it does not. You know, it's hard when you see families put sports first and put other things first besides the church. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the church. We have too much individualism in families. We have too much individualism in, in the teachings that we're giving to people to live by. Pastors should be the number ones going out there with their church families. If they know so-and-so is doing, why not create events around these events? You know, you guys are going fishing on Sunday morning. Hey, let's all go out to the lake. And those that want to go fish will go fish. Those who want to come and hang out, hang out, and we'll do a Bible study together. We'll, we'll have a small worship time at the lake. You see, these are missed opportunities that your church could be doing if they recognize that it's not about coming to the church building every Sunday. It's about being the church everywhere that we go. We've secluded ourselves, and I'm sorry, this is kind of a tangent, but this is this is kind of the whole point. If we're humbling ourselves, if we're being a sacrifice to God, if we're living our life for Him, it should be outside of just the church on Sunday mornings. It should be the rest of the week. Yes, it used to be a normal thing. Every Sunday, people went to the church building. But how are people throughout? Like, how are they affecting the world that they were a part of? I've met too many people who have sat every Sunday at church. But when you look at their Facebook, you, you watch what they're saying. You watch how they treat people. You watch their words. Don't reflect it. Don't reflect the life of a Christian. And that's what we need to be careful. Because humility is about giving ourselves to God and surrendering to his will and about following what we're supposed to follow because we love him. We put him first. So this is the point where I'm going to be taking a small break. And then I'm going to try to see if I can remember where this is at. And I'm going to put it here. And then I'm going to continue the conversation. So we're going to continue this conversation because this is how it's going to work from now on. And I said, I, re I remember there was this one modern hymnal song that like the song book that like that my youth pastor had. And there was a song in there that was basically based off of Micah 6, 8. If you want to go there, Micah 6, 8. It states this, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, that song I really, really liked. I think it was called, um, Oh Man, what, was good, what is Good? But the problem with sometimes hymnal music is some titles are very similar, are, are pretty much very close, especially ones that are like this. So like everyone, every time I try to find something, I always found other hymnal songs that were very similar, but they weren't that song. And the one thing I... I loved about it was just like, it just impacted me, like hit me. And you remember God's word is alive. And sometimes God's word just by reading it can impact you. And, you know, David did Psalms, which are like verses into songs. And so it hit me that way. 
you know, it's a struggle to want to walk in humility. It is. A lot of times, um, it's, it's only because we don't put God first. One thing I've always noticed is that when humility is an issue in someone's life, it's because they don't spend time in God's word. They don't spend time uh, studying. They don't even go to church. Or if they do go to church, that's all they do. Um, they don't join any Bible studies. They don't hang out with the right people. A lot of their friends are, may not be Christian, and so they're kind of very much influenced by those friendships. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you only go to church on Sunday for two hours, three hours max, right? You work six, six to eight hours a day. I mean, it all depends on if you're part-time or full-time. You're around all these other people who may not be Christian, and you're hearing all their advice, their thoughts, and, and plans, and then you don't do Bible studies during the week. You don't really hang out with any of your Christian friends until next Sunday. Who is influencing you more? God or the world? Are you spending time praying outside of dinner? You see, there's a lot of different things I'm kind of noticing that gets in the way right? We, we allow the, the, the bustle of the life of, that we do. So like parents with kids, we, we allow like the events and activities they're part of, but it really does come to how we as the adults and the families are practicing every day. So if we're teaching our kids to walk with the Lord, awesome. Cause that's actually a very vital thing that's missing in the, in well, in the family of a family that goes to the church. So that's an important part. So you're doing that awesome. However, are you being fed? Are you involved with other guys? Are you spending time, you know, learning? Are you studying? Are you reading books? Are you getting involved in the scriptures? You know, like it's it's still a process of you also chasing after humility by the way you live as well. So humility comes from the knowledge, which we can only gain through wisdom given. Because when we have the knowledge, we start wanting to do the knowledge, right? And so we are considered wise because we took the appropriate knowledge. But a lot of times, what, what do we do in our life? We try to take control. Because the idea of humbling ourselves and giving God complete control means that we kind of lose control. But in reality, we gain control because we allow God, because we have faith in God and we're trusting God and we see God doing things. So we gain control, not because we have it, because God has it, because we have we have taken it from where we have to obsessively control every aspect of our life, because there was a time where I thought that way. I felt that way. I, I, I lived like that. I thought, Hey, you know, God had my spiritual life. God had this part of my life, but Hey, you know, all these other areas, I got to make the decision. So therefore I got to make sure I'm making good decisions based on what I think is right for myself. And it took a while to click, uh, most of high school and into probably in my early twenties, I, I kind of felt like God didn't care about all the aspects of my life, just the ones that mattered, like how I treated people, how I talked to people and, and my a good person am I living a good life, you know, appropriately. 
But when I started actually realizing if I surrender all the aspects of my life, God can use all the aspects of our life to grow me, to teach me, to have me impact. You know, I'm a gamer. He showed me if I put him first and if I recognize that, hey, gaming is also a place where I need to keep myself wholesome and respectable. Um, I, I have to make sure to practice that. And sometimes I'm not good at it. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I struggle and sometimes I have a bad day. And that's just normal living life too. And you can do that. But we have a God who loves us and shows grace. You know, and self-righteous people, you know, they want to throw out, hey, I spent thousands of hours studying the scriptures, so therefore my wisdom is the only wisdom. And that's where we have the control and pride issue, right? Like, it, it, to me, it's, it's an arrogance that we seek very calmly in a lot of pastors and a lot of scholars and people who have mastered things because they don't see people who don't are not at their level as worthy uh, were the like equals. So like, that's, that's the thing. That's kind of the thing that I see a lot in churches where, um, Oh, for example, there's a small TikTok video. Uh, I didn't want to kind of throw out there cause it's like, still, you gotta be careful not being too gossipy ish with it, but watch this pastor who basically, I decided not to actually preach what I was going to preach because I wanted to point out the issues that we have in the church that I've dealt with. And, you know, his church is very avid, like huge on the Trinity or, you know, Trinity concept of understanding. And that if anybody disagrees with the church or him, then they don't need to be in this church. They need to get out. And if they question it, they don't need to be a part of this church. And he went off on that. And supposedly the one pastor who was underneath him, um, he was actually kind of not really agreeing with it because he, and it all started because he noticed that that guy's wife was making comments to this guy who didn't follow it. And so he fired him on the spot. He goes, you know how long it took me to fire him? He's like 30 seconds. And he was very proud of doing that. And he disgraced the man's name in front of the church. And he did it with another person disgracing their name in front of the church. And then he talked about how he is the authority that he has spent many hours studying the scriptures because he has the understanding and we have the bishops and we have the authority. Like he, it was just all about the church and him and the authority that he had and the capability. And so basically questioning him was a bad thing. And if you're going to question him, you get out. You see, there's a part of it. Yeah, he may have done studying great. But doesn't mean that he is the only, like, he's right. And we need to be very careful when we start throwing our weight around like that, that we don't push people away. Because new believers and new people coming to your church, if they hear that type of ranting going on in your service, they're, they're not going to want to stay. Because it, right, right off the bat, it doesn't make them feel that they can learn from you or that you have a learning spirit because you have all the answers. So we need to be very careful. Now, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 is where we're going next. 
So when we go to Philippians, let's see. It states this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also in the interests of others. When we puff ourselves up, we take the glory away from God and put it on ourselves. You see, as men, we want to leave a legacy. We want to leave a mark. But when you put Jesus above yourself, all that really matters is Jesus. You know, I think about uh, the song Only Jesus by Casting Crowns. You know, we want to leave that mark and legacy, but why not leave it with the understanding that you followed Jesus? Like, I, I don't really care about my name being remembered as much as if people do remember when they go, oh, yeah. Pastor Tito loved Jesus. You know, he loved the the men he served in the podcast. He, you know, the church ministry that he started. He tried to live it by example, and he reached the people like all because he wanted to see Jesus. You know, make an impact in their life. That's all that matters. I don't care if like I get to pastor ten thousand people or I get to pastor two hundred people. I don't care if. You know, I have books, glories, like a bunch, a bunch of books. However, you know, I would like to maybe do a book or two because I want to do something, not because I want to leave a stamp of my life, but because I want to do something myself, you know, feel that I put pieces together and said, hey, here's a book that I, I wrote and of my thoughts. And see, the thing is, humility in itself, right, is giving yourself up to someone else. That means giving up your dreams, giving up your wants, giving up the idea of legacy, giving up everything and giving it to God. It doesn't mean God's taking it all away from you. So even if you have a job where you're making hundreds of thousands to maybe even millions of dollars, God wants you to use that money wisely for him because he gave it to you. Doesn't mean that because you're going to an amazing college that you need to suddenly go down to a small college. No, God could use you in that college. The idea is it's taking the ambition that you've been holding on to to get yourself out there and recognizing if I humble myself to the Lord, God may open up doors in a different way where he is being glorified and honored, and then he can honor you because you're willing to glorify him. And he can bless you through things. So I think that's the kind of difference we got to get in our heads to understand because we don't want to twist it so badly that it doesn't make sense because do doing nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Don't be all about me, 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 me trying to make myself known, make myself heard, make myself be something. Recognize that being humble is putting yourselves lower. That's why, you know, the teaching, if I were to tell somebody my leadership perspective for you, like what, what I hope for you under my leadership is that you go beyond me. I don't want to glass cap you. I don't want you to be below me. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus, but I also want you to succeed further than I was able to, because I want you to see to succeed further, do more for Jesus to not have to make all the mistakes I made, uh, 
when I was younger to be ahead of that game plan. Because I remember telling my, my youth kids that. I said, I don't want you guys to make the same mistakes I made. I want you guys to not make the same mistakes so that you can surrender yourself faster into God's will and direction and not delayed as much as I have because I was maybe doubting or not questioning or questioning myself a little bit too much. So that being said, um, let's see, we want a purpose. We want to make a difference. And yet we spend so much time focusing on our legacy. We forget we are a Jesus follower and it's his legacy that we want others to see hear, and know when we humble ourselves, we will find honor and favor with God. Proverbs 3, uh, Proverbs 3, 34 and Proverbs 29, 23. If you want to go there. Proverbs 3 to 34 states it's toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Now, Proverbs 29, 23, it states one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. You see, God will give you honor and favor if you understand to put him first. And you'll leave a humble mark. People will see that you love Jesus more than you love yourself. That you love God and you love others. You see, the whole concept of love comes first by knowing God, humbling yourself before God, serving God, following God, doing everything you can possibly with every aspect of your life, surrendering everything to his will. And you'll have a better understanding of love. You have a better understanding of how to treat others. You have a better understanding of how to serve others. You have a better understanding of how to follow Jesus. You have a better understanding of how to live your life upright. Because you humbled yourself. And you didn't make friends with this world. And you're not trying to fit in this world. You're trying to fit in God's perspective of, of this world. Like how you are supposed to live in this world in a godly manner. In righteousness. When we seek wisdom, we gain knowledge. Then we gain trust and surrender because when we understand the knowledge through, because of the wisdom, God opens doors. And it's only to the willing heart, the humble heart, that he'll open the door. Sometimes it feels like if you're slamming yourself through a door, stop, take a step back, take a breather, ask questions uh, to God. Seek out questions from God. Allow God to give you the wisdom from people, from scripture, from a story someone might say, or even him speaking to you directly. But you can't hear God saying anything if you're trying to bash your head through doors or you're too busy focused on your legacy or you're just all about me, 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 me. You know, you ever hear a child when they're being super selfish, they don't hear the authority of their parents. You need to share. No, I want it for myself. No, you need to share and share with that. No, 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 me, 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 mine. That sometimes I think is what we're like with God. And we need to remember to humble ourselves means that sometimes you might have to give up something that you really want, or it may be you need to compromise 
something in some way. So like, you know, you're like, I'm going to get this brand new truck. And God's like, well, right now, this is not a good time for you to get a brand new truck. But Lord, I have the money. Well, you know, trust me. Okay. Humble heart will say, okay, yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? Here's a used truck. But Lord, just, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Fine, Lord, I'll trust you. And you get the used truck, and you find out later you needed the money for something else. You see, that's how God works. Yeah, but I didn't get the new truck. Maybe down the road he'll give you, bless you with a new truck. But right now you needed this truck, and he gave it to you, and be happy with it. Be content. See, one of the things I learned in this past month, be at peace, be content, and wait patiently. Humility allows me, and I'm saying me, but allows me to be able to stop forcing, take a step back, and look. Have I been pushing too hard on a door that God is not opening because I want the door to be open? You see, not being humble when you're trying to make things happen. This is why leaving a humility heart or a mark, excuse me, a humble mark. It, it, the only way you can get to it is by stop forcing things. Stop trying to get all the answers. Stop trying to make things happen. You know, trusting in God with all your heart means not trying to find all the answers to your questions, to the open doors, to everything. Let, let it go. When people see Jesus in your life, they see that humble mark. Because they, they don't see you, they see Jesus. Now, I, don't, I don't care if my name is remembered, but I do hope that people will be able to see Jesus in me. And I hope that I can live a life that's honoring to him, that, that's, a favor, that's favorable to him, that is upright, and even though with all the mistakes I still even do today, I recognize his grace, which over all everything, and I know I have his grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you bless this podcast. I don't know who will be impacted by this. I don't know who needed to hear this, but I do know that you needed me to hear it. And... I will understand more as I break this down because sometimes even when I'm when I'm talking I don't I don't recognize everything but however Lord you are an amazing God. And yes, only Jesus. That's all that matters. There is nothing that this world can offer us that can be fulfilling as much as honoring, loving and serving our savior. And I ask, Lord, that you just help any of us today that are struggling in humility to apologize, to surrender, get on our knees and say, Lord, please show me the way that I'm supposed to go and allow me to honor your name above all names. 
Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for this podcast and for the men that have joined the Discord, for the men who are starting to be able to see you clearly moving in their lives and even opening up amazing doors like James. I, I do hope that uh, that church situation happens where he gets, him and his wife get to lead a church because we need men that want to serve you, that want to share the gospel, who want to make a change in this culture in the appropriate and right way. And I pray for even other guys that I know that, you know, you are calling them. They <clears throat> may not be seeing it fully what it is that you're calling them to do, but they know that you have a door that will open eventually. I ask that you help them to be able to see that door today. Or even if it is a time they have to wait a little bit, that they can wait patiently. But have us all work in this humility that we are supposed to have as men of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you have a great one. You, you enjoy the, the week ahead. You know, I know it's a work week and work work hard. Do your best. Honor God. You know, find favor in him by keeping yourselves humble. And I pray that this week will be a good blessed week for y'all. God bless and I'll see you next time.